Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. San Francisco's drug overdose crisis has killed a record number of people during the pandemic. The city has had the highest rate of overdose deaths of any large county in California. On average, nearly two people a day die from a drug overdose in San Francisco. As Mayor Lennon Breed and other city leaders face mounting political pressure to fix the problem, they're turning to a solution that's been talked about for a long time, though it's been hard to implement safe consumption sites. They're places where people can safely consume their drugs under the supervision of a medical professional. The goal is to reduce harm, to keep people alive. But the strategy is illegal in the eyes of state and federal law. San Francisco is forging ahead anyway. The city is eyeing a building on Geary near Hyde at the edge of the Tenderloin where most drug overdose deaths occur. Reporter Trisha Thadani is here to talk about the potential impact a strategy like this could have on San Francisco's deepening overdose crisis, as well as the legal ramifications the city could face if it moves forward. Later, data reporter Yu Hyun Jung will talk about a new chronicle project that tracks the number of accidental overdose deaths in San Francisco. We all know it's happening, but now there's a new tool to help you understand how it's actually playing out on the streets. Let's start with Trisha Thadani. Trisha, San Francisco has talked about opening a safe consumption site for years. Why might that change now, and how is the city thinking about this proposed site on Gary Street? So as the city talks about finally opening up a safe consumption site, the context and the backdrop is really important to consider. So over the last couple of years, San Francisco has been experiencing this dramatic rise in overdose deaths that has mostly been driven by this extremely potent opioid called fentanyl, which has become very prevalent uh, on San Francisco's streets and has led to the majority of overdose deaths over the last couple of years. So advocates and public health experts for years have been pushing for um, these so-called safe consumption sites where there will be uh, medical professionals who can essentially help someone uh, if they overdose. Now, no one says this is going to solve the crisis, but the way that people are looking at it is like, this is just like one tool that we can use amid a crisis. And so now the reason that uh, the city might finally move forward, um, you know, the mayor is experiencing this extreme political pressure to do something, to do something tangible um, to address this crisis. And this is just one way that she's looking to do that. Where else are there supervised consumption sites? Have they been operating in other parts of the country or world, and have they been effective? Yeah, so there's currently about 100 supervised safe consumption sites around the world. There's one in Canada, Australia, Switzerland, France. Um, but the U.S. has been very slow to adopt this model, and that's because it's currently illegal under federal law. It's a violation of the Controlled Substances Act, which basically says that no one can knowingly operate a space where people come to use or sell drugs. 
But given the severity of the overdose crisis, um, there's a couple of states that have been talking about passing their own laws that would legalize these sites in their own states. So Rhode Island was the first state to approve a pilot program for the city's first safe consumption site. And other cities are also trying to move forward, including New York City, um, who their mayor, who's obviously on his way out soon, also said that he wants to move forward and opening this before he leaves office. So there's been a lot of momentum around the country to get these open, but no one has done it yet. So now San Francisco is essentially in this race again and now has this site where they're saying that if they do end up getting to a point where they feel comfortable enough legally to open a site, this is where it could be. And this site sits on Geary Street. The city is looking to acquire it. So if supervised consumption sites may have some legality issues, how else could this building be used? It's important to note that the city is acquiring this building to use for this a broad range of mental health services and drug treatment services. And one use could be a safe consumption site if, to, if they get to that point. So let's say the city decides not to move forward for whatever reason. This building will still be used for something um, to address the most pressing crisis on our streets right now. And its location is notable because it is um, basically on the edge of the Tenderloin, which is where the majority of overdose deaths have been concentrated over the last couple of years. So how does this building, this site overall fit into Mayor Lennon Breed's uh, vision and strategy for addressing the drug overdose problem in San Francisco? It seems like, especially since this is maybe not a novel idea, but it's been one that's been slow to take effect. It seems like she's taking sort of a progressive stance here. It's important to note that Mayor Breed has been pushing to open a safe consumption site for years, even back before she was mayor, when she was on the board of supervisors. She has you know, said year after year that this is one of her goals. And now this is actually one of the most notable steps forward that she has taken, um, because over the last couple of years, as she's been mayor and essentially had the power to greenlight these programs, she's been very hesitant to do so without state or federal approval. So now her administration says that they're working on a way to sort of figure out the legal issues and the way they can do this and sort of mitigate the risk that some employees and city officials who are involved with the site um, could face if they move forward. So aside from the legal issues, what are some of the main arguments that are pushing back against opening a site like this? What are community members or others going to say uh, about this site? This will surely be a very controversial thing moving forward. Um, I mean, at its core, what a safe consumption site is, is a place where people can come and use drugs that are illegal. So while public health experts and advocates have said that, you know, this is a way to keep people safe. This is a core tenant of harm reduction, which is the idea of keeping people as safe as possible until they're ready to maybe seek out longer term care or until it's available to them, which in San Francisco, we obviously have a shortage of of these kinds of resources. But, you know, it, you'd have to look no further than our former governor, Jerry Brown, who in um, a couple years ago, uh, there was a piece of legislation um, at the state level that looked to legalize these sites in certain cities in California. California. And he vetoed that when it hit his desk, saying essentially that he didn't want to enable drug users. He didn't want to basically encourage this sort of behavior when the city should instead be leading with treatment services. 
But in San Francisco, the approach that the city uses um, to this crisis is, again, harm reduction and safe consumption sites are seen as a very important aspect of that. Did Mayor Breed or the city also share how they will evaluate how well a site like this will perform in San Francisco and how effective it is in stemming these overdose deaths? Yeah, and that's kind of the ultimate question here of, okay, if the city goes out on a limb and they break state or federal law to do this, How are we going to measure success? You know, it is widely agreed that this is not going to solve the problem. Um, It's even questionable if it will make a noticeable difference on the city streets. So that's something that the, the mayor's office and Department of Public Health and city attorney are currently trying to sort of untangle and figure out of if we do open this, what does, for example, what does enforcement around the area look like? Will people still be allowed to use drugs, you know, in the open air when there is a place they could technically go and side. So that will definitely be a a flashpoint in this and will definitely be a big part of the conversation as we do move forward. More with Trisha Thadani. After a quick break, we'll chat about the legal consequences that San Francisco would face if it does open one of the country's first safe consumption sites. And later, I'm joined by reporter Yu Hyung Jung to talk about the Chronicle's accidental drug overdose tracker. You can check it out at sfchronicle.com slash overdose. We'll hear what the data is revealing about the city's overdose crisis. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I'm back with Trisha Thadani. Trisha, we've heard about all the potential benefits of a safe consumption site in San Francisco, But what could be the legal ramifications the city might face? That is also a very good question. Um, So, you know, what has made all of this so complicated is the lack of clarity of what exactly the consequences are. So everyone's kind of operating like with their own interpretation of the law and a little bit blindly, to be honest. Uh, it's it's illegal under federal law, as I said before, um, but it's still unclear exactly whether the Biden administration would enforce something like this. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Biden administration came out with a couple of new guidelines on what their approach to the overdose crisis looks like, and it's heavily leans on harm reduction. So it's questionable if they would actually come out and, you know, would they take a hard stance? What would they do? Mayor Breed tried to publicly get these answers from the administration, but has not received a response. But what has scared a lot of local officials is under the former administration, they took a very hard and clear line and said that if basically if a city opened up one of these sites, they should expect strong enforcement. And that could range from prison time to medical professionals losing their licenses to seizure of the property that is used in the, quote, criminal activity. So it's a wide range of things. And ultimately, it'll come down to uh, city attorney David Chu, who would be in charge of defending the city. So speaking of new city attorney David Chu, has he weighed in on what his position is on this site? 
Yeah. So before Mayor London Breed appointed David Chu to city attorney, he was an assembly member who was a big supporter of safe consumption sites. So we know that David Chu personally and as a policymaker supports these sites. But now, since November 1st, he's been San Francisco city attorney, and that's a completely different role. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he what his job here is to provide what he called sound legal advice to the mayor um, and sort of lay out the risks and give everyone the information they need to make an informed decision moving forward. He has not said within his role as city attorney whether he is supportive of these sites. But again, his his job here is just to defend the city if they do decide to move forward. This safe consumption site could be a reality as early as next spring. San Francisco is grappling with high overdose deaths at the moment, and it seems like the city could be poised to be an example for other cities that are dealing with similar crises. Definitely could be. You know, again, there's a couple of other cities that are also trying to open these sites and are grappling with the same exact issues as San Francisco. If one city moves forward, that would be incredibly helpful to all the other ones that are interested in it because that's that'll sort of serve as a test um, as to like, okay, well, this city is open the site, what did the federal government do? Did they face any ramifications? And whether they do or don't will have a profound impact on others. So what are the next steps? When do we know what will actually come into play? This is just the first step in a pretty long road. Uh, So Mayor London Breed, on Tuesday, she introduced legislation to acquire the site. So we don't even have the site yet. Um, So right now it needs to go through the Board of Supervisors. It needs to get approved. And, you know, before that, there will likely be community input and meetings Mm -hmm. and back and forth and and all of that stuff. And in the meantime, uh, while they're working on the building, Breed's office is still working with the city attorney and the federal government and the state government to figure out how they can sort of get to a place of agreement and how exactly to move forward with the program. I anticipate a heated debate and many conversations about this in the future. Trisha, I'm sure you'll be keeping an eye on it for us. Thanks for your reporting and thanks for updating us. Thank you for having me. Trisha Thadani's story about San Francisco's proposal for a safe consumption site is online now at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. As the city attempts its move forward with the project, accidental drug overdoses on the streets of San Francisco continue to persist at record highs, killing nearly two people a day. The Chronicle has developed a new tool to keep track of how many deaths are happening and tell a fuller picture of the city's crisis. Here to talk to me about it is data reporter Yu Hyun Jung. Yu Hyun, thanks for chatting with me on Fifth and Mission. Thank you for having me, Cecilia. So I want to talk more about your work. You are a data reporter at The Chronicle, and your most recent project tracks accidental drug overdose deaths in San Francisco, and the tracker is the first of its kind for the city. Tell me more about what the tracker does. So this tracker brings together data about the drug overdose epidemic in San Francisco from multiple sources and puts them kind of all together into one place where people can get as much of a comprehensive understanding of what's going on as possible. And so it combines all levels of government data um, to provide not just a hyper-local look, but also how San Francisco compares to other areas of the state and beyond. So uh, the backbone of this tracker is basically the monthly accidental overdose reports from the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. 
and they're actually required to publish these reports to comply with the city ordinance. So these reports can tell us a lot about the latest numbers, including how many people died, what sort of drugs were in their system, when they died, and who the deceased are. Overdoses from fentanyl uh, specifically has been happening for a while now, for nearly a decade. Why is a tracker like this especially critical right now in this moment? Well, you said the word. It's fentanyl. So overdose numbers have been spiking in recent years, especially because of fentanyl's infiltration into the local drug market. So fentanyl, just two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal. So if you look at the figure recently, the share of deaths that involve fentanyl are up to about 70% of the deaths. Drug overdoses have actually killed more people in San Francisco than COVID last year. So there's obviously a lot of people engaged in this topic and and an urgency to solve the issue uh, from the city and from the general public. So what have the monthly numbers been showing us in this tracker? How many accidental overdose deaths are happening each month in San Francisco? So basically, they're showing that there are slightly fewer people uh, dying of drug overdoses this year than last. Last year was actually particularly bad uh, with the COVID restrictions and whatnot. So this year's average, monthly average number of deaths is about 57 uh, compared with last year's 59. That's great, but also 57 is not a small number. No, not at all. That's that's a really sobering number to realize. The tracker not only shows this number of accidental overdoses each month, but also where they happen in San Francisco. Can you tell us a bit of what the data's revealed so far? What the data shows is that these overdose deaths have been largely concentrated in or near the Tenderloin District and the South of Market neighborhood. And uh, if you look at the data, it's actually quite heartbreaking at times because you see the same addresses over and over again. And some of them could be like single room occupancy properties and others just like in the neighborhood where um, people who are unsheltered are congregating. Mm -hmm. And what the data also shows is that folks are dying outside uh, on the sidewalk and in front of people's houses. And also what the data shows is that this epidemic really disproportionately affects certain communities. So Black men over the age of 35 are way more likely to die of a drug overdose than, you know, other groups in the city. You know, what I love about this project is that it makes city government data that's usually very dense and hard to parse out really accessible. So what do you hope as a data reporter that San Francisco residents will get out of looking at this data more closely with this tracker? Every time we put data like this out there, it's for people to have a better understanding of something that's happening around them that may not be obviously visible because, you know, it's not a thing that happens within their own bubble. But we wanted really to show data that was accurate and could show like broader trends. In the end, what we're trying to do is to inspire change and to help people solve problems. There's so many problems in the city, and I think it's easy to get desensitized to something as harrowing as, you know, drug overdose deaths. And I think this monthly tracker is also a way for city residents to hold the city accountable, too. Absolutely. 
And really, I think what really inspired us to do this was the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner releases these reports on a monthly basis, and we are always writing kind of the same story, uh, emphasizing how bad everything is. So I think it was really important for us to put all of these different data points into an easily accessible tracker to help people understand like the magnitude of the problem rather than, you know, kind of falling into the routine of writing the same stories over and over again. This is such an important project, Yuhan. Thank you for your hard work and thank you for sharing it with all of us. Thank you for having me. Yuhyung Jung is a data reporter at The Chronicle. You can check out the drug overdose tracker she developed at sfchronicle.com slash overdose. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>